Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 78 of Cutscene Combos. We've got an absolute monster episode this week. Character profile on Conrad Carapax, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem review. Say that three times fast. Oppenheimer review, finally. Mm. Um, we're going to rate summer 2023. Uh, we've got a pretty chunky nerd news network before we wrap it up with our content championship which is Netflix's Daredevil series versus Gotham. But before all that juicy stuff, Horizontal, how's your week been? My week has been busier, I feel. A lot more You're work on that upswing at the minute. Yeah, the, the work upswing is keeping me busy. Um, going to see the girlfriend more regularly also is nice. So it's like my time is definitely filled up more at the moment. Um, tell you what I have got into... It's like to keep the gaming itch going because obviously it's like it's hard to be busy with work and fitting Valorant or like big games. Yeah, I may have picked up old school RuneScape just as like a little side game while I'm like waiting for things to render. Well, the thing is, it's like it's so like Like. non intensive, like it's it's, like it runs on a potato, so it's like I can have it open while stuff's rendering. And it's not affected. So it's like, while well, I'm sat here waiting, not able to do stuff on my computer, I'm like, oh, I can still play some old school RuneScape, chop some trees down, do a bit of mining. Um, it's it, just the nostalgia. It's that I've done, I've gone back to it before and then I get bored after like a month and the nostalgia wears off. But um, other than that, been crave very close to getting Baldur's Gate free, which I'm sure you will be talking about. But I'm I mean, it's very everywhere. important that I get it because as we now cover D and D related content when it arises, mm. I I felt as someone who's never actually played D and D that this was my best Entry. way of getting myself up to speed. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's 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 all I think about. You know what I'm like when a video game grabs me. Mm-hmm. I like dream about how to be more efficient and stuff. And it's the it's the dumbest shit ever. But like every time I start like a new Minecraft world, like. Imagine like schematics, Minecraft style. That's what I'm yeah. doing. Like that's what my brain's doing when I'm sleeping. It's like okay, we have got to do this, 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 and this. I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm just like okay, when we get in, we're gonna go on this quest line. We're gonna do this. We're gonna try and we're gonna try and level up again. We're gonna try and get some more gold. We're gonna do this. That's dreadful. But yeah, I mean, other than those things, my week's been pretty, pretty normal in that regard but obviously as you're saying how's so borders get freeze obviously just been your week no it hasn't even it's fucking ridiculous um so as of last thursday Mm -hmm. me and the girlfriend were in the situation of we're not looking at properties we'll start looking in the new year Mm -hmm. and then we found somewhere on sunday that looked good all right. So we went to view it on Monday, and we've got nice. two more viewings lined up for this weekend, for different places, as well as a meeting with a mortgage advisor, and we're trying to find a mortgage broker. And I'm just all of a sudden like, you realise New Year's in like four four months. Yeah, um, but it's just it's it's a good time right now for the kind of area we're looking to move to because right now we both like a, at most like a twenty minute journey to work. Yeah. Um. So it's always difficult because you don't want to move too far away, but the area I live in is Bentley. 
Mm. So even though, comparatively speaking, the area I'm going to is still spenny, um, it's a lot cheaper, and there's, it's still like, overall, our journey time would be about the same, but it would be me having mm. the shorter journey and her having a slightly longer journey. That sounds perfect. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot like within like a one mile radius of flats that are coming up that all kind of mm. would be good. So yeah, it's it's very real all of a sudden. It's just trying to yeah. So I mean, in the coming months, there could be chaos, just pure chaos. Pure chaos. Me just me just being stressed up. Fuck. Love that for you. Um, yeah, but it's, it's it's exciting. There's just a lot to it. Um, and then in between, it's been Baldur's Gate <laughs> and nothing else. Um, it was so funny with Baldur's Gate because it was like, you were like, oh, I don't know. don't know if this might get in. It was like every day, it was like another clip you'd seen and you're like, okay, I'm mm. closer to buying this now. Well, you know me. I'm not a point and click RPG. Yeah, no, I get it. It, it, it. I've always been kind of like a, this isn't, but the, it just, the graphics of it, are doing just enough from like i'm kind of forgetting about the point and clickiness of it and now that i've got a bit of muscle memory for it Mm. i'm like i'm cruising but it's wild because apparently the game like runs completely differently if you plug a controller in oh like the like automatically all of the controls are like completely different and and it's like more like a traditional story game that you play on a console with like you move using the analog sticks and not pointing and clicking. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, if I'd have known that, I'd have probably bought it a lot quicker. But mm. I feel like I've opened myself up to point and click games now. But I to, also feel like none will ever be able to live up. To be honest, that's I've seen that like as the weeks of this week's gone on and the player counts just kept going up. You've seen more and more people just going, oh, this wasn't my normal game, but I'm actually glad I picked it up and I'm loving it. Like it's really capturing like a lot of new people to that genre the the fact that so i was watching dr lupo's playthrough mm. and obviously he has more time to sit down and play the game in one go than i do yeah so by the end of his first stream of it mm-hmm. I, he was like two hours behind me in the amount of time played but he'd not even got close to like the main story bit i was on and i'm there like have I kind of accidentally speedrun this stuff? Because it still feels like I haven't scratched the surface. Well, considering that there's a hundred hours story. If you get it, me and you absolutely need to. Because when you do a campaign with someone else, someone else mm. they are always in the party, even if they go offline. So okay. like you may as well just play it together because it's not even like I can just drop you. Yeah get one of the another npc in yeah. and go off and do some side questing to level you, your character's there anyway so you may as well just be there yeah. so um i'm so down i am very tempted very tempted but yeah should we get into it we can indeed character profile this week is on conrad carapax it is rough out here at the minute for character profiles <laughs> Yeah, but I'm still coming in with the heat. You are still finding them, which is impressive considering we haven't really had any like big hitters at the moment mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. have been relevant. Conrad Carapax. First appearance, Blue Beetle Volume 6, number one, 
in June 1986. I see where this is going. Yeah, you do. Conrad Carapax was an archaeologist who was a rival of Daniel Garrett, the first Blue Beetle. Mm. He followed Garrett and Ted Cord, the second Blue Beetle, to Pago mm. Island to find out what they were looking for when Garrett died there. Okay. He found Jarvis Cord, Ted's uncle's lab, in this lab, while searching the wreckage, he found one of the indestructible robots that Jarvis Cord had created. Um, so then when he was trying to remove the robot and see what he could get from it, it faltered and electrocuted him, oh. killing his body, but trapping his mind in the robot's memory core. Ah. Yes. When the police arrived to investigate the island, Carapax murdered them all and tried to escape. However, after a battle with the second Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, mm -hmm. he sunk to the bottom of the ocean and was assumed dead. He would continue to reappear and become a kind of mainstay villain of the Blue Beetles. Okay. Um, and he's fought them a lot. Now, as I'm sure you've already put together, because I only did a little googling, you've probably seen what he looks like—a big red, big blue beetle-looking guy that's just big and red. Mm. In the trailer is apparently Conrad Carapax. Okay. That and in the sense. trailer, when we're in the kind of thing where we get the Batman jokes, yeah, because they're like, oh, it's a bit like a Batcave. We see two blue beetle suits that look kind of like Daniel Garrett. And Ted Cord's Blue Beetle suit. Right. And we also see the fam his family gets in the bug, which was Ted Cord's, because obviously Ted Cord didn't get to use the scarab, he just used technology. Yeah. So it looks like Blue Beetle is really, really going to be a kind of. Um... Although this is the first Blue Beetle film we're getting at all, he's mm. still being treated as a legacy character, okay. which I actually really like. It's like a yeah. I mean, there was a blue beetle before you, but you're the blue beetle now, and you're what matters. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited. I think it's gonna be really good. So do I. Um, but yeah, I I I I was curious about what was coming up with Blue Beetle because while I'm a fan of Jaime Reyes, I don't mm -hmm. know too much about Blue Beetle lore and wider stuff. So I was having a little look, and I was like, there was a weird-looking red guy in that trailer. I wonder if that's anyone important, or if they've gone for the cheap, the villain is just a different colour bad guy. A different different colour version of the good guy. Um, which is not uncommon. No. Yellow jacket. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, there's, there's a bit more there. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll see if it actually is Comrade Carapax, or if they were just inspired by his design and it's something else altogether. I think it would be cool but, um, if it is. It's definitely one to keep an eye out on. And if it does turn out to be Comrade Carapax, you have to come back and like this video and comment, these fuckers never miss. <laughs> um, so there you go. <laughs> ah, yes. Um, however, should we get into the real juicy stuff? Oh, the good stuff of the week. <sighs> Maybe some uh, heroes in half shells kind of stuff. Yes, I think we should. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. I 
I'm struggling of what is my favorite what is my favorite of the summer yeah I've um, really enjoyed it it's rough out here we Um, we've been spoiled we have been spoiled this summer I am so glad that animation is alive and well Mm. oh um can't say thank you enough to Spider-Verse because they've opened up this like new era of animated films and I'm all for it all for it um and I think next week we'll talk about Seth Rogen because we need to discuss Seth Rogen um the the main man yeah because he's been kind of scooting under the radar and we can't have that any longer um but let's get into this so I think the first thing that I'd already heard about, but like was actually very noticeable, mm. was the fact that where possible, they had the people in a scene record their lines together. Mm. Yeah, they did group so recording th- sessions. The four boys were always together in a scene they were together in. Yeah. Which you could tell. Oh, yeah. Like, the bits when they're, like, all being teenagers and they're all talking at the same time, it doesn't feel like four people recorded their lines and they've been layered over each other. It felt like four brothers there bumping off of each other. Yeah, Because you can tell they're, like, being slightly distracted by the other person in the way you would be. That's the thing. It's like, traditionally had they all recorded separately like yeah you can somewhat emulate that by like mixing and chopping it but like you're not gonna get the true effect of four people like all talking at once and about like jumping in each other's gaps and stuff like yeah it came across very natural because of 100 percent because of that um the animation was just flawless. I oh, love it love, so much. I love that animation style. It was yeah, so it, cool. It really, really worked. Um, yeah. It didn't. It wasn't as flashy as the Spider Verse films because it wasn't dealing with something which gives you an easy way to use different art styles. Yeah. Because obviously the Spider Verse being multiversal, they can use that as an excuse to throw yeah. off different art styles at you, which makes it flashier. But it was such a nice art style. They pulled no punches with it. It was all so well put together, so colourful. But mm-hmm. the that the actual voice acting is mm. second to none. It I have never been less aware of a famous person's voice, which is what ninety percent of the cast is. Yeah, behind <laughs> yeah. an animation. Normally, if there's a really famous voice actor. All you can do is imagine them saying the words, but they didn't fall mm-hmm. into that trap at all, and I was really, really impressed. Oh, yeah, like, all... I don't know if it's just because they they had the cast locked in so early, they were able to, like, maybe even write the characters more into the what the actors and actresses were like. Because, like, one thing in particular is... Like, they had to have got jackie chan locked in very early for splinter because just the way whether it's the the way it was written or jackie chan just put his spin on his lines but like it just felt like jackie chan like it, it the, the character was like was very much jackie chan and it worked like we said before like it even came out with like it's the perfect choice it worked perfectly yeah. 
it was the casting that no one knew they wanted, but everyone the second they heard it was like, oh yeah, no, no, good, good job, good job. <laughs> but at like no point did it feel like Jackie Chan. Like it didn't feel like Jackie Chan playing a Splinter. It just felt like Jackie Chan. <laughs> like it was just him. And it, like because of that, you don't get pulled out, like you say, hearing a celeb- like a big name voice, and then you're like, oh wait, that's so and so. It just felt like the characters they all all their characters fit so well yeah, and i think the four good. lads really did like embody each of the the turtles like it they, the casting was perfect in my my opinion yeah. either the them four actors are phenomenal which yeah. they might be anyway or yeah. they worked really hard on letting them spend a lot of time together before they started recording so that they all got to know each other really well. It yeah. might be a bit of column A, a bit of column B, but mm. it feels like more than just one, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely like they are definitely very talented and like this is going to just elevate their careers. Yeah. But then also like they, because maybe they're, they're all the same, age they were probably all into teenage moon and shit like they all gelled so well and obviously had the time to get to that like brother brotherly energy that it then just obviously paid off on on screen yeah um the story was solid oh yeah the story was great i i think i'm always always gonna be a sucker for like a coming of age style film because that's what it was. They started yeah. off as four kids who were taught martial arts because their dad is essentially a kook. Yeah. Um, And all they wanted to do was find a way to be popular. And if that meant using their martial arts, that's what they were going to do. That was the premise. Yeah, it mm. spiralled into a bigger thing. Oh, yeah. It was just they just wanted to be the hero so they could go to school. <laughs> exactly. It was as simple um, as that. And this is something that I've noticed that we are seeing, and these are the films that we're happiest with. The ones where it doesn't start off as a end of the world problem, mm-hmm. but morphs into one. Yeah, it's a lot scales. better than just the second you know there's a problem, it is an end of the world problem. Because even though you can use your critical thinking to go, I mean, this guy probably is up to some really bad stuff. The characters mm-hmm. don't know yet, and that affects how they behave. Yes. Um, and it's definitely a style that I think is working better. And even I'd... if you look back at older MCU films, mm. that was when they were at their best as well. Like, Age of Ultron wasn't instantly an end-of-the-world problem. No. It became that. Like, it went I mean, from... the MCU wasn't an end-of-the-universe no. problem. It built to that. Yeah. Um. I think what, like, especially with this as well, with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, was, like you say, it, was, it wasn't it was an end-of-the-world situation. And although by the end of it, it was, like, a pretty dire situation for, like, the city, it scaled into that. Like, And I wouldn't even say that I was expecting it to get to that level for this film. I was thinking, okay, they're dealing with bad guy. They'll end up being bad guy. Um, maybe there's a tease of bigger villains at play for future films because we knew a second one was coming uh-huh. but like the fact that they obviously we were hooked in because it was like relatable issue for them 
small town thing but then they were able to scale it into something bigger and a bigger threat that we were like oh shit no this works this keeps us enticed yeah. and um, i loved the end mutant like the visual of like that yeah. mess just a pile of mess one of my favorite things ever was in this film as well oh. one of my favorite action scenes when they were chasing down like the henchmen Mm. And they had like the mirroring scenes, but with the different people, and they were like cutting between them. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal! I loved it so much. There was something about the way that because obviously it was like a template, and they were just changing the assets that were on top of it. Yeah, but it's flowed together so nicely, and it cut out like it cut out the joke of oh, you've got to go talk to this person, and this person, and this person, and this person. Yeah. And it was like, well, we'll do that all in one go, which is a bit of a gag. Yeah. To cut out some unnecessary time, but we'll also give it in cool animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just worked so well. And like the way you got to see each of their own like, even though it worked as one fluid motion, you still got to see each of the guys' unique fighting style. Yes. So you had like Mikey just being fucking chaotic. You had Raph getting really aggressive. You had Leo being really precise, and Donnie just not like second guessing himself at all times. He's like, I've only got a stick. Yeah. It honestly the way they showcased them fighting and the animation and how they like, in a way, it was like although we saw them train. And we know that the tur- like they can fight, and we obviously expect that they can do martial arts. Obviously, they hadn't done that really. They haven't actually fought anyone. So the way that they told the story of them, like realizing, oh wait, this is all instinct, and we actually are fucking nuts. But they didn't realize that, and it was like all like happy accidents at first. But then by the end of the film, they were just like absolutely beating people up left, right, and center. Yeah. Like I really enjoyed how they portrayed that for, like at the early stages but i mean even the comedy was on point top to oh bottom. the comedy like, was the, great the, the running joke of you're gonna get milked on the surface world and everyone's like that's ridiculous yeah how do you milk a turtle and yeah. then they get strapped in and she's like milk them of all yeah. their blood. When, when they're all strapped in you realize wait they're actually splinter was right they are gonna get milked wait yeah. what <laughs> and, then, and then when he saves them and he's like does that say milker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the little jokes. Um, me and the, the girlfriend at the end, when they were like figuring out how to fight the huge thing, like, well, you watch anime, and like, surely there's something in all those comics and books that like you know something. My girlfriend's like, Attack on Titan, they're gonna use Attack, on Titan. and then he goes, Attack on Titan, the Titans. <laughs> and we're like, oh shit, that's actually how it went. Like, just the pure chance that it went that way. It, it, Yes, it's it was it was so so good. I really hope that they can live up to this with the second one that's rumored to be happening and the TV show. Mm-hmm. I think with this animation style, a slightly more experienced group of turtles mm-hmm. versus Shredder could be peak. Oh yeah, I think the second film and obviously this one ended with that silhouette of Shredder and the name drop, which was kind of what we expected. I feel. We knew it wasn't, happened, yeah, it? it wasn't gonna be in this film, but we and knowing there was a second already confirmed, like it was obviously gonna tease it. I think, like you say, more experienced turtles. But I think it'll be interesting because I feel like it's gonna be more experienced turtles, but then Shredder's gonna be too much for them, and then it's gonna be like that, overcoming that. 
What's yeah. going to be interesting is the TV show or the TV series, at least, what, one season's been confirmed? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I'm interested to see if that's how they're going to use all these other mutant characters that are now just floating around. Like, are they? Is it like one episode in the first season is going to have Post Malone makes a little cameo as his little character? Because obviously they're not going to do every episode. They've got busy schedules, but like, yeah. I think there's this chance now where you're going to have the like the little fun episodes where like they deal with I don't know Paul Rudd turning up. <laughs> yeah, Paul Rudd's helping them with some issue or something like. It's or like them going through school. It's going to show like the side of like what's going on in between. I think. I think that'll be really interesting to see how that sh- that series does. Hundred um, percent. We were. I mean, we coming into the summer. We were just about aware of this. It wasn't something we. Yeah, it kind of popped. One hundred percent knew was happening. Um, and it's ended up like being one of my highlights. Mm. It's been so good um and i i genuinely cannot wait for more um, do you know what also was so good about this like we've talked about the animation style and everything else the soundtrack oh, the yeah. music options throughout the film i fucking loved like the amount of hip-hop and new york hip-hop that got used do you want to know the only thing i would have liked to see and Go it on. would have been very expensive probably gone if they would have done a new version of the old theme, like Heroes in a Hatcher, yeah. Turtle Power, I, I, uh, with like an Ice Cube beat <sighs> behind it and a verse, to give it that, obviously I know he was LA in that, but give it a bit of a New York flavour and just like make it well, fit the soundtrack, it could have worked I think so well. That's something I wish they'd done as well. And do you know what else I've just that's reminded me of? I was really hoping by the end that throughout the whole film they kept like hinting at their name, but like messing it up or tweaking it. It's like, oh, you're so you're like teenage martial art turtles, mm-hmm. and it's like, come on, just say teenage mutant ninja turtles, like just. But it never at all did it get to yeah. that point. But yeah, I think if we'd had a remake of the original song, that would have been so good. You could have uh, had uh, any, it like would, it would have hit. Have Post Malone do it. Yeah, it like it just has the ability to go so viral and be such a good marketing yeah. source. Um, but I would. I think we'd be remiss not to demand let everyone goes out and watch it straight away because it is one of the most fun experiences you can have in the cinema right now. Oh, it was so good. So, Honestly, so damn good. It's made me fall in love with the turtles all over again. Yeah, hundred percent. I I hope a whole new generation is yeah. falling in love with. This. I I want this new era. I want it to yeah. be. I, I I hope a bunch of like eight to eleven year olds were taken out to see that by their parents, and they've all gone. Yeah. But like even before, which was mind boggling, we sat there, and obviously you got all the adverts before the film starts, and there was like an old school style advert for the action figures. Yes. Like showing off the, the new action ones. Figures. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh my god. It's been. I didn't even know they did adverts like this anymore. Yes, Obviously, I've just grown out of like the target audience for. Well, them, yeah, we don't, don't see it. Them. But I was like, oh, I just thought thought they'd given up doing adverts this way. 
this is brilliant. Yeah, no, I completely, I'm the same. I, that obviously came on and I was like, oh my God, it's like a classic toy advert. But then, I, like you say, we just don't watch cartoons. So obviously we don't see those adverts. Like they're only yeah. on between cartoons and TV. So it's like, we don't see those like cheesy toy adverts anymore. And seeing it in the new versions of like the toys was really fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I anyway. enjoyed that. Should we get on to an equally good film, but a lot more depressing of us? Yeah, a completely different tone of film. Yeah. Um, Oppenheimer. Yes, R- I, R- I finally got around to seeing it. You finally got around to seeing it. <sighs> Holy shit. It definitely ended on a, a, a very somber note. <laughs> yeah. And it was a... There was a lot in that. Like, there, I feel like... There was a lot of information. It was very info heavy at times, but it's not yeah. a bad thing. Obviously, I expected for the type of film, the story it was telling, but yeah. it was very, although it was somber. Like, there's a very deep underlying message at the end. Like, it was very interesting to see, kind of how. Like, obviously, I knew about like you know what. Like, you hear about oh we know how the first nuke was in this the US went about it. Things I didn't know about was like the whole Strauss stuff and how political it got after the fact. Like a lot of that stuff is like was really interesting to see that part of the story that I obviously didn't know about. Do you know what that is? And uh, this is gonna sound potentially a little bit weird, but stick with me. Okay. It's kinda like having a bit of chicken for dinner. You you can you can cut the chicken up, you can cook it, you can eat it, you can be told it was a chicken. Okay. But it doesn't necessarily mean when you look at the chicken on your plate, you see a little chicken in a field with its feathers and everything as a live being. Yeah. Because of the steps in between, you like separate them and you forget about the living being that was involved. Well yeah, yeah. That's how I think most people who are alive now view the Manhattan Project. Yes, they underst- understand the ramifications of the nuclear bomb and this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. but you don't really give much thought about the people who were affected by it in Japan. Mm. You don't think about the scientists who worked on it. And it makes complete sense that it was massively political, but do you think about that? No, because it was 70 years ago, 60 years ago, in a country you don't live in. Yeah. So, like, do you know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of shining a light and going, no, look, the the big explodey thing that you're aware of and understand, this is the, dread. the people, this is what was involved with it. This yeah. Is... Oh, no, yeah, I, I get where you're going with that. So, yeah, it's like, Unless you've done history, you know, like really got into it, you don't really pay. Like we all know, oh yeah, America like raced to make the first nuke. We know they dropped it on Japan, which was bad. And now we have this issue of like everyone's threatening nukes at each other, and there's been various degrees of that over the years. But yeah, like you say, we didn't. I don't think I've ever taken the time to think about like the scientists that were genuinely just like chasing new science. The political out like how that affected things politically for certain people and how like the thing that i thought was just funny and it's like 
to this day, this is still true. Like everything comes back to politics and politicians trying to screw other people over because of like one thing that happened to them. And it's like seeing that whole Strauss stuff and how Oppenheimer was kind of like stripped of all credibility at the end. Like not to put him on a pedestal for what he did, but like it was interesting to see that, that I didn't I had no idea that stuff happened to him. And I, well, I didn't know that Oppenheimer was Jewish. I didn't uh I don't think I knew he was Jewish. I knew he was from like he wasn't American. So like um, like fully American. Yeah. So I I I never realised that. And once you know that, that obviously adds a whole lot of context to because like you can sit there and go, oh, how could you possibly even think of something so dastardly? It's like, well, the Germans were already working on it, and the person who understood it the best to lead the efforts was Jewish. Like, it well, makes complete sense. And he's like, you can't even deny that like Oppenheimer was this close-minded, like, because like it showed like he went through Europe, met many scientists, really explored different political views and cultural views and different like as a scientific minded person they are like are interested in everyone's opinions on things and it's like i think the bit that you, also you need that people need to remember is Oppenheimer was a scientist and like also all those points of view from him being jewish and obviously what was going on in germany but like when they got the thing that um germany's figure like a paper got posted and it's like they figured out how to split the atom I thought it was really interesting how, like, all the scientists then were like, where most people were like, oh, cool, scientific advancement. All of them, literally, around the room, it was like, click, 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 where they all went, that means a bomb. Like, they realized chain effect, do that on a bigger scale, you've got a bomb. Germany's going to try and make a bomb. We need to beat them to making a bomb. Yeah. And it's like, when it's put like that, it's like, okay, yeah, it, it makes sense why they would race to do it. I thought it was very interesting that the, the the film did a very good job, which I think a lot of people were worried about, like it was going to glorify the dropping of the nukes and stuff. They did a very good job of making it very clear that what happened in Japan was very much a war crime. Like multiple times they were like, Japan's close on the verge of surrendering. Japan is going to surrender. And then you got the US president go, yeah, we're going to drop it anyway. And they, they made it very clear that like, this isn't us saying America was in the right here. But I, I also, yeah, I like like the whole criticism of just the way governments behave with like when they're trying to like work out targets. And he's like, oh no, don't oh. nuke that place. Oh, because Kyoto. it's a cultural hub. No, because that's where I went on honeymoon. Well, it was like, oh, we won't do Kyoto. It's considered the cultural hub of Japan. And also me and my wife went on a lovely honeymoon there. Great place. Yeah. It's like, jeez like that's yeah. pure chance You're making it about your feelings towards a place and not the people well, and like it's like we could have been in a world where he hadn't the president hadn't had a honeymoon there kyoto would have been one of the targets yeah it's like the the fact that that's the reason they didn't do it not because like all the people that would die it's it's it was somber. I think the Trinity test scene might be one of the most intense bits of film I've ever watched. The build-up. Especially, yes. like, in IMAX. Mm. Like, with how quiet they get it in there, for then yep. that noise to hit, which is louder than any cinema, like, you're normally going to experience. 
it genuinely feels, pardon the poor phrasing, like a bomb's gone off. Oh, all of a sudden, just the noise rushing in, you're like, fucking hell. Yeah. It, that build up, and I don't know if you were the same, the guy that ran outside the bunker, did you I think, die. I thought he was going to get like blasted with like, but obviously they're far away. I don't know. I guess this is where like, obviously I haven't paid enough attention to like how it visually looked like the, the things they have from that first test explosion in my head. When I think nuke going off, I can't help but think like video games and that where there's this huge mushroom cloud. And I was like, that was fucking intense, but I, I, a little part of me thought it was going to be bigger. <laughs> but then it's like, it's obviously it was the first, like that is actually how it yeah. was. Like it's not the huge ones we have now. The, the crazy thing is just, it's so impressive to me that they managed to do this and not underplay the nuke. Like you're not yes. there like fully going, that didn't feel like a nuke. No, yeah, they... Which is fucking difficult to do. Yeah. I think that actually comes down to the whole, the push that he did to do it practically, that explosion. Like you can't sell that any better than doing it practically and capturing it like actually there like you, you can't what i will say is my only criticism of that scene is josh peck not because he did anything wrong but i see his face and i just want to make a drake and josh joke it is difficult i i would agree like out of any actor it's so it's hard like, to not see stood over the button like watching the thing intensely i nudged jenna and i went drake where's the door because <laughs> <laughs> all i could think of was the treehouse scene where they put yeah. the rooms up and they haven't got yeah. the door out yet i don't know why like that it like granted that was like right in the beginning of it so i was like okay cool i can lock him for the actual explosion yeah. now but that was all i, I know could see mean. Like, when he first showed up, my brain was like, oh, it's Josh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, it, I mean, it's, it's craziness. And, like, obviously, an insane cast top to bottom. Everyone acts mm. their arse off. Um, yes. When Gary Oldman manages to slip under my radar mm. until I see his name in the end credits, you know that people have done a good fucking job. Yeah. Oh yeah, like e everyone in that film played their roles so well. But the someone, cast was so good. Yeah. Can't remember who it was. Was it someone I worked with? It might have been. No, it wasn't. It was one of our friends. Said to me, it was like I got to the end and I saw Robert Downey Jr.'s names in the credits and I went, Where was Robert Downey Jr. in that? No. And I was like I was like Please tell me you now know who he was in that. And they're like, yeah, he was he was Strauss. So I was like, yeah, one of like the main characters. Yeah, I, so I'm like, like, I just I, I didn't even. I'm like, okay, that's impressive. Like, and maybe that's because we've watched so much MCU. His so, face is ingrained in my brain. Yeah, but I have to say, like, because this is, I'm pretty sure this was the first major role he's done since Iron Man. Uh, I'm pretty sorry, sure since, since Endgame. Well, yeah, since he would ended as Iron Man. I know he did the film about his dad, like the documentary, but that doesn't really... Movies... 
can I see them in order? So 2019 was Endgame. Do Little, which was supposed to be a big film, but flopped, came out in mm. 2020. Um, looking for a 2021. Black Widow, that was old footage, doesn't count. Yeah. Senior, which was the documentary, yeah. came out last year. Um, I'm not seeing anything else. So yeah, this yeah. looks like it was his Which, first real project. For his first, like, I wouldn't say at any point in that film, I was like, oh, that's Iron Man. No, I was like, for, like he, like, it, it wasn't, my brain wasn't stuck going, oh, that's Iron Man. It was like, no, this is Robert Downey Jr. playing like some politician, essentially. Um but yeah, that whole the whole Strauss side of the story was very interesting to learn about. Wild. Obviously, I'm sure um, some details are changed or tweaked or whatever. But like, so the, my my understanding is the black and white is accepted to mostly be very accurate. Okay. In what happened, maybe not so much the words, especially in okay. the back room, the stuff that happened on the Senate floor. Yeah. We basically verbatim because that'll be official record. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be the stuff in the back room where you need to take a pinch of salt, but yeah. because it was in black, anything that's in black and white, you can take as basically the truth. Okay. Anything in color is from you've my got to accept a little bit of artistic and storytelling alteration. Yeah. To, to make cause... it fit because. There is no official record of exactly what happened, what words were said or anything, because a lot of it was done in secrecy. Yeah. And a lot of the film is set in, especially the color bits, when we're leading up to him being selected to run the project, which yeah. obviously there won't be any record of. Yeah. Um, I will say I do find it very funny, and it's something I never even knew that the Americans were already so worried about communism, like before the Second World War. Oh yeah, they. I didn't realize the, it was such a problem that early on. They, they, ne- they, from the get go, it seems they've never trusted Russia. <laughs> um, I liked how they did a very good job of kind of. Yes, we obviously associate communism with Russia and those like countries, but like even those like early points when it's like obviously like communist sort of way of thinking and stuff. Like it's very much sold as American communism and like this just like maybe more unionism a bit and it's like this weird we don't instantly think oh this is russian communism yeah the the notion that organizing a union was viewed as communist is Mm. fucking hilarious um and do you know what the crazy thing is being anti any kind of organization of the workers in such a way Mm. is fascist um, so the uh, the irony that they were fighting this kind of communism, which in reality we'd call more socialism now, yeah, in the forties while fighting actual fascists, just shows how yes, we were probably the good guys in, well, almost certainly the good guys stopping Nazi Germany, but let's not act like we ourselves were perfect in what yeah. we were doing. Oh yeah, <laughs> um. Uh, but yeah, I thought they did a good job of like kind of fooling us, the viewer, that like, oh, this isn't like pure communism, which actually probably was the point. Like, it wasn't. It was just American government was like, oh my God, communism in any form um, must be the Russians. 
Yeah, I mean, it was communi- communism in the sense of it was communism, but it was starting to have people who lived their entire life in America to have their take on it. Mm. And the Western world have their take on it, which leads to socialism, but it just didn't have another name at this point. Yeah. Um. So it was all just under the umbrella term of uh, know, communism. We obviously saw it in the film of like how Oppenheimer was going around like security um, rules at Lib- um, was it called Lib- Trinity? The facility? The facility was Los Alamos. Los Alamos, which it, like it kind of showed us, and they like sort of taught, like made levy to the fact that like they were going around these rules they were trying to put in place to keep secrets. Something I saw since is like someone was like, it was way worse than that. Like there was scientists breaking into offices and picking safes to get the information that they needed to do their part. Like apparently it was like the scientists were really going against the rules and didn't care for any of the like security that was trying to be put in place which fully shows like why shit leaked to the russians and it's like at the end of the day it's like what do you expect scientists just want to like explore theories and like push things they don't care for like only being told part of the information <laughs> yeah this this is just it's a common trait for anything that's ever happened when scientists are being stifled by what they view as bullshit rules in government they will not be impressed yeah and it showed some of that and it showed the like pushback that was happening and in times of war like obviously the the government was overlooking a lot of it because at the end of the day they needed the results and then it was interesting how as soon as the results were gained oh, now you don't have security clearance anymore because of all these things you did do, even though we were okay yeah. with it while you were doing it. Um, classic American government to go yeah, back on uh, something they, they did. It's always, what can you do for me right now? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was absolutely fascinating. The acting was second to none. Killian Murphy has got to win an Oscar. He's got to. If he doesn't for that performance then something's wrong because that was as like obviously it was very there was a lot of hype around his performance and everyone was saying like how incredible it was but it, it really was he yeah, it, it didn't disappoint for a single no, second it really didn't um there was like one there's one thing i've seen where there's been criticism okay. of the story which is a in the film when they're doing setting up the test they're like oh there's nobody for miles like there's this isn't going to affect anyone like it's all evacuated anyone that was um there actually was farmers around and stuff and people who are from those families whose grandparents died because of that test have spoken up and been like you you seem to have forgotten to mention that there there was people in the that desert area uh, who did die from this test, but obviously the US government was just like, shush, shush, shush. I think that was the only criticism of the film, is like they, they've kind of overlooked, like they've made a point about all these other things that were bad that happened, like the Japan stuff and all this, and it's like, but you, you've just overlooked that there was people actually yeah. killed on home soil because of those tests. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's definitely not perfect, well, but I don't think it needed to be 
perfectly telling story-wise because it isn't so much about this is what happened verbatim. He's not claimed that. It's more a case of I need to shine a light on this situation so you stop looking at the situation like chicken in a curry and start looking at it like chicken in a poop. Um, I'm sticking. I'm sticking with the. You're really, really. It, it holds up. It holds up, and I refuse to hear anything else. Uh, um, but I, will, I, I, will I greatly s- enjoyed it. Yeah, so did I. And I will say that the people that were going, "Oh, this is just going to glorify Newt and the the Oppen- glorify Oppenheimer and make him into this like great man." It's like actually, I feel like the very end message where he talks to Einstein and we find out what he finally said to Einstein of they were worried they were going to burn up the Earth's atmosphere and destroy the earth and then he goes and i think we did but then it shows the fact that like everybody now has nukes see i take that as um christopher nolan talking to the audience oh yeah obviously we don't know we don't know exactly what was said there but it feels like christopher nolan trying to cut off anyone who was under any disillusionment of his point of view it's like a no what happened was bad yes it was unavoidable potentially Mm -hmm. still bad yeah we've we've started something that was unavoidable and would have happened anyway but it's like unfortunately we have created probably the end of the world if we if it went that way and it Uh like that being the final message is why everyone walked out of that film with like the thousand yard stare because they're like what the fuck did we do as humans (laughs) like Uh oh shit it was um it was definitely a lot yeah um me and Jenna sat there after the credits finished for maybe five minutes, not saying a word, just kind of sitting yeah. with what we just experienced. Because obviously we did the double header as well, so it had been a long day. Yeah. And we're just there like my God. Um what I will say is and it's just a weird thing you always see is a lot of people are very critical of Florence Pugh's role. And they were just like, Christopher Nolan just had front of you there so that she could be a sex object. And I think they've missed the point. Yeah, they have. And I just, I don't really understand. Like, maybe it didn't need to be as gratuitous, but there's this weird thing with anything that's considered high art that there has to be a sex element to it. And this is a thing that's existed since the Romans because mm. they carved the naked woman. There's this thing where if something is already seen as kind of classy, nudity is supposed to make it seem classier. And I don't know why it is, but it just is. So, like, you absolutely could have got away with her ne- not necessarily being naked so much. But the their relationship being a sexual relationship and not being able to be anything more because of his position... And yeah, and then her was. ties into things like yeah, it's yeah, exactly it... why it was so important. And what's the best way to make a relationship blindingly obvious so people don't miss the point, even though they still did? Yeah, make it and physically it a sexual also, relationship. Like it was needed there to kind of explain this like complicated ties that he ended up having to the to communist parties, like unknowingly. Like he didn't intend to be like linked with so many communist people that probably weren't fully communist but it it was to add to that complicated situation of these relationships he was having that then down the line was going to play against him 
Yeah, at the end of the day, he knew he was hanging out with people in the Communist Party. He viewed it as a as a man of um, science and knowledge. It's my duty to get every point of view. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's the way the film tells it. You might sit there and believe that, yeah, he was a full-blown fucking communist. Um, or whatever. That's actually kind of irrelevant. But the point was, mm. the whole film was actually centred around him and how he was treated after Trinity and before Trinity and during Trinity. And what happened before was a result or resulted in what came after. Yeah. If he'd never associated with the Communist Party before, they wouldn't have got rid of his clearance. Strauss would have had to find another way to try and ruin his clearance. Yeah, and it was like he would have been like the the path that America went on could have been different. But it's part um, of his story, that's to be told. But it was a very, very, very good film. It um, was. And while I don't necessarily think it deserves to clean sweep at the Oscars, I think Barbie definitely deserves some of them awards. I foresee it doing very well at the Oscars. Oh, for sure. It's it's uh, going to win multiple things. Would you like to discuss the summer of 2023 with me, Mr. Zontal? I shall. Our highly anticipated summer. Because, yeah, we had a, we've had a big summer. We've had sort of for like Guardians 3... We had Flash, we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we had Oppenheimer, we had Barbie, Indiana Jones, um, Transformers, Fast yep. and Furious, like loads of blockbuster films. And then Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, 2023 has had one of the biggest earning years for films at the box office in a number of years. I think it's the biggest in the last four. I mean, that's that's kind of hard. Two, two of those were pretty low earners. Let me let me let me fact check that. There, uh, twenty twenty three box office earnings. Oh, it's just giving me individual films. Total earnings, maybe. It wouldn't surprise me. Like I, I know, I know it's up there. It's one of the biggest in recent years, and it's like up over like the last four years. I think it's been up every year or something. Um, but I thought it'd be a good idea. Granted, the summer isn't finished yet for us. We've still got Blue Beetle to come next week or the week after. Okay, yeah, I forgot it's only a couple of weeks. Um, but I thought we could give a little review of the summer. Mm-hmm. And discuss what our favourite film of the summer was, what our least favourite film of the summer was, what the biggest surprise of the summer was, and what we think the biggest flop of the summer was. Hmm. Okay. This is going to be difficult. Yeah. It is. Um, where would you like to start? I think we'll go with least favourite. I feel like least that's the favorite. easiest one to start with. Obviously, I can only give my least favourite films I've seen. If I was to look at all of them as concept and go, what one would I have been least likely to ever go see? It would have been Fast and Furious. Same. Um, but my least favourite of the ones I saw was The Flash. Um, it wasn't good enough. Yeah. And it made me sad. Because it could have been really good. And it could have made this summer unfucking believable Yeah, it could have done. Like, could you imagine if we'd gone, 
Guardians Spider-Verse, a brilliant Flash film, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Barbie and Oppenheimer, and then Blue Beetle. Mm. It would have... It... We'd have been so back. <laughs> we see EU dropping the ball. Um, so yeah, I think The Flash has got to be my least favourite. I am similar though. If we were going with anything, it'd be, it'd be Fast and Furious. That's the least I have the least interest in going to see that. Um, the only way you're getting me back to that franchise if you do Tokyo Drift too. Um, yeah. So yeah, but of films I've seen, I I would agree. Flash has been at the bottom, and that's not necessarily like it's not a terrible film, but like with everything else that came out just hitting so well like it just you can't afford to be anything but at the same level of those otherwise like you're just gonna drop so yeah unfortunately flash with its choices and director's visual choices um mm-hmm. i mean we've raved on about that enough but yeah it's definitely the, the least favorite and i'd be tempted to even say Possibly the biggest flop as well. So, well, I mean, it's a perfect way to move on to that. I had it as a kind of tie. Okay. Between The Flash and Indiana Jones. Because Indiana Jones made a whole big stink, made lots of noise about how it was going to be Harrison Ford's last film. Harrison mm. Ford even showed emotions on the press tour because he just loves Indiana Jones so much. They were like, we have got the best de-aging technology the world has ever seen. Blah, 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 blah. Do you know a single person who has seen that film? I was just thinking then, I don't even know, like, I don't recall anyone talking about that film. So I'm like, it obviously wasn't, if it was something amazing, people would have been talking about it. So I actually don't know anyone that's seen that film. Uh, what was it even called? Dial of Destiny? Yes, I think that's correct. Or it made $369 million. I mean, compared to some of the other films we've had, that's pretty low. I just, uh, I, let's see. I feel it's one of those films where feel like everyone was just like oh, wait till it comes to disney plus and this is the problem with announcing the day after the film hits the cinema when it's going to be on digital release because everyone's like oh it's like gonna be three weeks i'll just fucking wait yeah it's i i would agree then i'd say that's a fair tie between that and flash flash so dial, a, dial a destiny got 69 percent from the critics mm-hmm. on Rotten Tomato and 88% from the audience. So the six people who went to see it did enjoy it. I just, I mean, do you know what that feels like? Because I always feel like you should cut the middle between the two. Critics were probably like, ah, this is a bit overly critical because it's Indiana Jones has been good for a while. Probably were like, it needs to end. Put Where's it the- this way. Dial of Destiny's production budget was $294 million. Why has it made money? After 
the amount of money they probably spent on marketing? Probably not. Um, well, I guess they'll, um, they'll they make... reckon it was about a hundred million dollars in marketing. So no, it did not make money. If that is true, let's hope it gets a lot of streams on Disney Plus. <laughs> but like, okay, that might be show. the biggest flop. Because I mean, at least, no, I mean, based purely on money, I think the Flash still did worse. But the Flash is digital releases. I was going to say well. the Flash is doing well on digital, so. I guess we how have to see how much did make at the box office in the end. I know it was really bad. It was lower than Green Lantern, so two sixty-eight. Okay, not that many movies. And its budget was around two hundred million. So, comparatively, about the same. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say they both were pretty pretty big flops yeah. of the summer. Unless Fast X was really really bad. Nah, Fast X will have made its money because I I assume so. Oh yeah, it made. 700 million. Yeah. Again, do you know anyone who went to see it though? No. Wait, was Fast X one that came out this year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, I... When did that When did that even come out? A couple of months ago. 19th of May. Okay, it was right around Guardians. Um, yeah, I, we were renting. Like, I, I, I think the biggest flop has got to be Indiana Jones or The Flash. Yeah. Um, I could take either. I just feel like the Flash had quite good audience scores, didn't it? I think it was somewhat well received. It's just certain, like we've talked about a lot with Flash, like there was just certain things that hurt it that then hurt it too much. Like we said, knowing, it could have been a good film, but knowing how close that film was to being genuinely really, really mm. good. I would feel bad also calling it the biggest flop as well as the, my least favourite. Because, like, as a percentage, yeah. I don't think it did that much worse than Indiana Jones money-wise. I would say um, Indiana's more of a flop. Yeah. At least people talked um, about Flash, whether it was good or bad. <laughs> yeah. The Flash the, the Flash film was being discussed, and it's done okay on stream since then, so we could argue that their marketing of getting it to digital so quickly is probably what hurt them. Possibly. But it's wild. What was the biggest surprise for you this summer? I just think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Because it came out of no... Like, it seemingly came out of nowhere. When did we cover the first trailer for that? Just so we know how quickly this actually came around. Because I feel like it was this year. I mean, you could probably Google the first teaser. First teaser came out in March. So, five months ago. Yes. That is wild. We only got the first trailer on the end of May. Like, this film has come out of nowhere. And it's been phenomenal. That's the thing, it's Um, like... I think that's why it's my biggest surprise is just, like, don't get me wrong, I knew it was going to be good, but I feel like coming out of nowhere and being this whole, essentially a reboot of the franchise, and you're like, oh, wow, like, they've come out, they've nailed it off the rip in every aspect, as we've just been discussing earlier. So it's like... 100%. 
wasn't expecting it and was very much surprised and happy with the result. See, I've gone slightly different. Okay. Because, like you said, and I completely agree, although the Flash did catch us by surprise with the not the Flash, you know, if you Turtles did catch us by surprise with, like, literally coming out of nowhere. Mm. Once I saw it, I was like, oh, that's going to be peak. Mm. Barbie, I didn't know what to expect going into it. Fair. I was like, that looks like fun. I didn't expect it to be so damn good. So I think that's probably gets the biggest surprise for me because what I was going to see actually surprised me. Whereas mm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the only way it could have yeah. surprised me if it would have been bad. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, whereas Barbie, I was like, okay, this could just be a really like silly like Lego movie-esque thing, which I also loved, but um, but in fact, I left there feeling like happy and contemplative and just in awe of Greta Gertwig. Um, I will so I say, think that has to be the big surprise for me. I will say I was very surprised. Like when we first discussed, oh, which one's going to break a billion? I was like, oh, I'll be Oppenheimer. Like everyone's going to love Christopher Nolan. It's going to be like this big blockbuster story. Everyone's going to love it. Was not, was very surprised that actually. Barbie just fucking blew the fuck up. Just dominated. Yeah. Dominated. Um, and, I mean, it's, having seen it, I can absolutely see why. I'm sure loads of people went to see it two and three times because it's fucking phenomenal. And like I said to you, and I'm not sure if we discussed it on here, going to the cinema and seeing, like, a mother and her teenage daughters or her adult daughters or her children's daughters all dressed up in pink, having mm. a girl's day out, getting ready to see Barbie, was fucking awesome. Well, yeah, it's what cinema's it, about. Like, so good. It's exactly what cinema's about. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the film itself does not miss, so... No. You can't go wrong. Now, are you ready for the the hardest choice? Favourite. Your favourite. I, I say hardest, but I feel like I already know what yours is. Um, I've absolutely caved for recency bias, and I'm calling it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh. I've that is absolutely... Not... And and I'm willing to accept that it's probably me caving to recency bias. But there is also a big off-film factor that I think is helping. Oh. It has come out since the the animators for Across the uh Across the Spider-Verse weren't treated great. Whereas at the minute it's looking like the animators for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie were treated very well. I'm I'm surprised. I fully thought you were gonna stick to your guns with Spider Man. Because it Spider-Man. was between them two. It was definitely between it them is two. It is yeah, it's born hundred percent between and, them two. And and recency bias as well as it feeling like the more ethical choice, probably <laughs> what is what makes the decision. See, for me I think it is is it is also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But I think more so for me it's I loved Spider-Verse, don't get me wrong. I knew Spider-Verse was going to slap. And I knew Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was, but it was more unknown, I guess. You you knew Spider-Verse was going to be peak 18 months ago? Yeah. You um, didn't know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles existed until five months ago. And I think... <laughs> I actually think... Because Spider-Verse was the second one, and it was starting to go into essentially a more serious tone of the story, like what he's dealing with. Whereas Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is just, it was just a fun film. Like it's just the, like everything you could want from that 
franchise. And it's like, it being like the first and the reboot of a franchise we both loved growing up. It's just like, and it all like felt like it worked perfectly. All the new, like the new casting, the voice actors and like the little details. And with you saying like the artists and I very much love this art style. I think it's very creative. And the soundtrack was great. I love the soundtrack. And it's just like, all those things together, it's just like, I can't. Zenith Moon Shows was just way more Do you know what I fun also think might hurt across the Spider-Verse? Oh, the delay? No, no, no. Oh. It's not it's like a bad thing. I just think what's going to hurt it in like people's esteems. Mm. We have been eating good for Spider-Man content for about 10 years now. Mm. Like, consistent Spider-Man content, which then unfortunately devalues it slightly because even if there's a bad one there's another one next year yeah um, but also it's the second of a trilogy mm. which is always going to be the most forgettable because yeah. while it did tell a story yeah i don't think it's unfair to say you could tell it was there to just set stuff up mm. yeah like yeah you absolutely can enjoy it and it stands up but without the context of the first one and without the closing off of the second one, yeah, yeah. no one is going to go back and rewatch Across the Spider Verse by itself. No, in four years' time, once the entire trilogy's out. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, so I think for that reason, I'm just kind of like it's got to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, no, I I, I would um, agree on that. And like maybe in six months' time, once the recency bias has worn off. I will go, maybe I was wrong. But right now, I can't do that. I mean, there is still a chance of how excited I am for... Um, Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle, but that might come out... Might get another dose of recency bias. Yeah, I, I, I very, very possibly will come in next week and be like, I was wrong, Teenage Mutant Turtles is trash, Blue Beetle for gold. Um, Not possible. But yeah, it was, um, it was a good summer. I'm very excited to wrap tomorrow. up with Blue Beetle next week. Yeah, it's going to... I'm very interested to see the future of Blue Beetle as well. We talked about it a few times, but be interesting I'm to seeing see. more and more set photos of him in the full suit, and I'm like, my God, that suit is peak. It does look good. It does look it's really good. so down. It's, it's 100% practical, and they're just touching just... it up with CGI, and that is always the best way to do superhero suits. I just hope, because Marvel had this issue where the first films of everyone was like practical suits, then they were like, oh, wait, we'll just switch it to CGI in later films. I hope they stick it out. If they, the character it's comes back, like, it's it. always just practical. I mean, Deadpool's proven that. He always looks great when he's in his practical suit. Yep, 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 yep. Um, and I cannot wait for more. Mm-hmm. Can we get into some nerdy news? Into the news of the week. Um, we do have a WGA update, but it's a slightly smaller one. Yeah, it's like little, it's, it's yeah. just a few things come out. Um, so last Friday, this yes. came to our attention. Disney is scum. Now we've done been knowing this, and it's just one of those things where it's like any company that large is scum. Mm -hmm. But this is a new level of scummy I didn't even think they'd stoop to. And when you actually sit down with this news for a minute, you're going to realise how bad it actually was. So, it was said on a podcast by someone who'd worked for Disney Channel. 
the, yeah. the way their contracts work, and I don't fully understand it because it's very much an industry thing, but I am aware of it, where you get paid on scale. Yeah. And basically, my understanding is what that means is you get paid a little bit less up front, and then if the show is successful, you end up getting paid more. Yeah. So what they did is for the first three seasons of a show, they got paid on scale at 88% of essentially minimum wage. Yeah. And the idea was if it got picked up for then more than three seasons, they would then get paid more. Mm -hmm. But what them fuckers over at Disney Channel then did was after three seasons, they would rename the show and change something to well, make it a it. brand new show. No, they did always change something, but like nothing actually affected it in a major way. Yeah. Um, to reset that timer to go back to paying them like shit. Yeah. For instance, Hannah Montana into Hannah Montana Forever. Mm. Sweet Life of Zack and Cody to Sweet Life on Deck. Yeah. Uh, Live and Maddie, which I think was slightly after me, um, to Live and Mal Maddie Cali style. Yeah. And dozens of others. And for Saturday and Sunday, all I saw on Twitter was people seeing this clip and just all of a sudden their brains clicking like, oh my God, they did it all the time. Yeah, and um, it's definitely the the whole on scale thing came. I'm pretty sure from back then. Obviously, shows were sold to cable networks and different things. Obviously, Disney had the Disney Channel, but it's like if you had a show that was successful, often back then a TV show that was successful would run for several seasons. Like look at Friends. Uh -huh. So it's like obviously the on at scale thing is kind of like you think, oh well. If this is successful, we could end up with 10 seasons of this show. So it's fine if the first three were getting slightly underpaid because we'll make way more in the next seven. Uh, but Disney being the scum, they're just like, uh, jokes on you. Uh, legally, yeah, exactly. this is the same show. We're going to hire you to continue. And it is a continuation of the story. But because this is slightly different and in a different location, like it's uh, legally a whole new show. So we don't have to pay you. Uh -huh. This is a new contract. It's absolutely wild. And then, uh, do you know what though? Are we surprised at all that Disney would do this? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I am, and I'm not. I'm surprised that they would do it in such a blatant and easily trackable way. But I'm also surprised that it's not been spoken about before. Well, so that I imagine there's some level of NDA that these people have been under also i guess as or these actors have got insanely common thing well it's like if all the actors and actresses that those young ones on the different disney shows were all in the same boat like they kind of just this is how disney's run as they've got older sure maybe realized oh that was shitty but like maybe they still have some connection to disney so they can't speak on it or it's like the ones that seemingly are now are just older realize, oh, yeah, Disney's scum. We've known this. That's why I don't do anything. Like, that's why we left yeah. working with them. Um, we thought people knew this. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, absolutely crazy. I'm pretty sure as well, um, like, amongst that is like they wouldn't. I'm sure there was something as well about. Um, like the check, like the, there was something else they levied 
getting money from i think it was like if it was reshown on disney channel and stuff like they didn't get that money either in for the first three seasons there were, yeah there was a, a lot of money taken out of their pockets for the first three seasons because there's some just structuring a deal so they get paid like yeah. shit no matter what yeah um dumbass of the week <laughs> i don't know how many times i have to say this if you are rich and you are going to say something that's going to cost you money you don't then get to blame woke media or <clears throat> cancel culture or, or the anything. internet because guess what no, 99% of the time, no one tricked you into saying anything. No. You just have such an overinflated ego that you think you should be able to say whatever you want with zero consequences. Or do you think everyone's just going to blindly agree with you because yeah, you're in such a little bubble? Yeah, you think your fans are super loyal or something and would obviously share your same views. Which is... um, and Zachary Levy's gotten some hot water before for different dumbass things. Um, uh-huh. Which for the most part, I've always gone, that might just be a bit of ignorance to not fully understanding the problem maybe it's yeah or miscommunication on social media sort of thing a bit of just harmless ignorance he was at a comic-con event which he was allowed to be at because of the way it was structured and he was on stage complaining about how he couldn't talk about any work he'd done yes i can't talk about a show where i used to be an it repair guy referencing chuck and stuff so and it's dumb and it's bullshit and i hate it now, again, he's come out, he's tried to cover his ass. He's like, yeah, no, I get why we're striking. I get all that. It's just a bit frustrating because I wanted to be able to enjoy this with my fans. Cool, whatever. Guess what? If you feel so strongly about them things that you're going out there and saying that and then having to apologize, either you're not thinking well enough before you speak, which is something you should work on anyway. Yeah, get some proper PR training. Or you really thought you were going to get away with it. Probably both. Not there thinking, no and way, also doesn't. There is no way someone whose entire job is in the public eye doesn't understand how that could come across badly. I do you know what? I think a lot of these celebrities are of the mindset that their fans have the same views as that. Like, I don't know what it is about. Obviously, we're we're finding out who the the kind of di- dumbass celebrities and dickhead celebrities are through this stuff but it's like it's wild seeing that they they clearly think like they clearly don't understand how the general public are perceiving this stuff and he probably was playing that off thinking like oh yeah you guys are probably like annoyed too that you've come to see me and i can't like share anything and it's like no we all actually want people to get paid properly because we want shows (laughs) it's craziness yeah um once again disney just not reading a room disney and hulu 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 Why do I always add the extra lulu Hululu. hulu have announced price increases for the us at the moment it's only a for the mo- for the moment and apparently they're going to start cracking down on password sharing in 2024 yeah they've got some new techniques or something they're going to be putting into play do you know what's funny I'm pretty sure a few weeks back when we were talking about the WGA stuff, they were like, we can see it now. We're just going to like, Disney's complaining this is going to cost them so much money. Like they're not just going to offset this cost onto us. Oh, look at this. Interesting that they're raising prices 
Almost yeah. like they're preparing to uh, have to pay actors and writers more. And they're just shifting that cost to us. And do you know what? It's it's not going to work very well. I mean... Are you ready? Go on. Are you ready? Disney Plus generated $7.4 billion in revenue in 2022. They're, they're putting a $3 price increase on a monthly subscription. Right, I don't know some people pay yearly, but if we just take that mm. as about a 30% price increase, 30% mm -hmm. of 7.4 billion, 10% uh, would be 740. That's mm. another 2.1 billion that they're going to make in revenue. There's costs, not that much. Um, and it's going to cost them about an extra 30 to 50 million dollars to meet the demands of the. They're still profiting in this situation. Oh, yeah. They, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. The nerve to say that people need to lower their expectations as a CEO when you're only 30 million. Do you know what's also wild? These price hikes are coming out, like increases are coming in. So people are like, okay, we're going to be paying more for Disney Plus. Does this mean we're going to get more shows, better shows? No, uh, they're, they're reducing how many the output. Marvel stuff and how much Star Wars stuff they're making. So actually, and they're taking shows off of Disney Plus that are already on there. So actually, we're paying more for less content. The amount forward. of lost media that Disney have created because they've ripped it away from everywhere else, put it on Disney Plus. It's not done well enough on Disney Plus. So they've ripped it away from Disney Plus. And now you've got like entire fandoms that just yeah. have no access to their content anymore. It's. It's. I saw a great thing, which was like someone's skit response to this, and it was like Disney was like, "Oh, but you you guys liked us when, like, we first came out," and they're like, "Yeah, because cable was rubbish." He's like, "Yeah, but like, there's ad free options or there's like cheaper options with ads." He's like, "So cable, so you're Hot you're works. just you're just becoming cable, but I could, I don't need you. I have all these other options," and it's like it's the point. It's like. We loved streaming services because it was way more convenient to watch the content and shows we wanted to watch. And the price was at a decent point. We were like, okay, that's good value for money. The price and the convenience, like price is going up, convenience is going away because they're forcing like ad option tiers onto us. And it's like, or oh, you have to pay ridiculous price to get ad free. It's like, well, what's the fucking point in this anymore? Like we don't, we don't like this and your content's not good enough to like people are gonna start it's, it's back to that thing of like some some houses had sky some just had free view some had the like virgin media or whatever and it's oh, like man. people are just gonna cut down but on what streaming services are. with the password sharing thing are you ready for the crazy thing are you are yeah. you ready for what's gonna make me what's gonna make you laugh so there are six of us mm. that share the disney plus account that i use Mm -hmm. We all pay for it. We pay for it yearly. We split it six ways, mm -hmm. which means it works out incredibly reasonably. Even yeah. with this price increase, it mm -hmm. will still be incredibly reasonable. I'd have no issue paying. Yeah. If they're going to crack down on password sharing, why am I allowed to create an individual account for every single person? Yeah, like, why if, if have they make these it account so options? that, like, if they make it so that all of a sudden only like four of us can access it, mm -hmm. why was I allowed to create six? 
that and, should be something that legally you should yeah. not on one paid for account be able to create more accounts than people who are going to be allowed to have access to it when you crack down on password sharing because yeah, it's not you... like we're trying to hide it's not like we're on one account and no. we're all trying to hide we everyone's got their own profile picture their own name attached to it we're not hiding i i i'm baffled the only crackdown that i think i would be okay with is like if it's region locked so like i can't share my password with someone outside the uk because i have someone on mine that's from the us because they were like they wanted to watch the kenobi series on time but it's like i i get if they're like okay we we want you to stop like but, but here's the problem what if someone's traveling i uh, yeah no, i don't i it causes issues do you know why i think this has come from i think originally they weren't that fussed like the disney like as we've said though you can make as many accounts like disney was okay with like we're making plenty of money they saw netflix do their thing and they're like netflix put out like we've had the biggest increase in accounts uh not then probably reporting that a month later all those accounts closed because people were like what's the fucking point in this um because what will i guarantee what happened on netflix's side is all those new accounts got made after the password thing happened because people wanted to finish the shows that they were in the middle of they finished their shows and they'll cancel their accounts disney thinks oh we can make even more money raise prices gonna get a fuck ton more accounts made and then not realizing that actually you're probably in the long run gonna be worse off 100 percent. I, I don't know how they can be so so brain dead yes we need that like matt we need the internet to just mass leave like no matter how good some of the shows are just be like nah out. collectively as the internet we all put one penny in a jar so that one person has an account they download it all and illegally share it everywhere yeah let's get pirate bay up, up and running again just 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 put all of our resources into just making this unbring downable monster that has everything on there yeah it's forget the writer strike and the actor strike let's be a con let's have a consumer strike because um, I'm, I'm 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 so and the problem is i i don't know how to even combat it um yeah obviously we can go well if everyone just stops doing it here's the problem when you're paying attention to this stuff it feels like everyone's on the same page yeah. but then you get out into the broader world most people aren't no, and then people only realise the price has gone up when they check their bill and they're like, oh, wait, Disney Plus has gone up this month. What I will say is $3 in one go is fucking steep. When it's $11 a month and now it's going up to $14 a month. I feel like they're trying to match. Isn't Netflix something similar? I don't know what Netflix price are in dollars. I, I don't know. But it wouldn't surprise um, me if they're just trying to... Like... But the thing, what I will always say about Netflix, despite other criticisms I have of them, is for a one screen at a time account, it was always very reasonably priced. I don't know what it's like now, but it mm. always has been, I think, quite reasonably priced. It might not be as good value now that they've lost some of the stuff that wasn't their IP. Um, they've also tweaked some of their tiers in America. Which is um, a bit... 
But I th- I think the screen rule is the perfect way to do it. You pay for X amount of screens being able to watch at the same time. And if yeah. someone wants to be a real cheapskate and pay $9 a month for one screen at a time, and they want to give it to 100 of their friends, but only one of them can watch it at a time, mm-hmm. why do you give a fuck? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they're only getting... They're still only getting one view. It's not like they've got four four views happening on one account. Like it's one view at a time. Like I, I I think they would see a lot more success if they brought their pricing down significantly, but you made it so that you pay for accounts and screens. So make it fifty cent a month for every account you want to have, mm-hmm. and then one dollar a month or two dollars a month for every screen that can watch it at the same time. Because well, yeah, like, a lot of people at them prices, or maybe even a dollar and two dollars, a lot of people will go, I will pay the extra dollar a month so that my sister, who's watching the same show as me, doesn't fuck up my viewing order. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you would even like having the difference between two screens at a time to four screens. Oh, well, I think there should be one screen, two screens, then like four screens. And it's like the amount of people that would go straight to two screen option because they're like, oh, well, I share it with, well, me and my partner both want to watch it at the same time, one on the phone or one on the TV, like, or my family members need it, or there's like a whole family just pay for the four screen one. It's like, cool, we'll pay the extra. It, yeah, I, I think I, the screen is screen option, like amount of watchable screens is the better way to do it than trying to do password sharing. It's, yeah. Um, good news, though. Good news. Workers of the world unite. VFX works at Disney are rumoured to be unionising. At some of the main MCU VFX studios as well. As part Fuck of that. yeah. This is what we've been saying for months. We we and, said, and the biggest problem is still going to be when they outsource it because you've got different companies mm-hmm. competing. Yeah, unions would, but you need all VFX workers to be under the same union, no matter what company they work at, because then if all all VFX workers are protected the same, the studios are all going to be on an even footing when bidding for the contracts. Yeah. Um, we said it when the the actors got involved that we just needed like the production guilds or like because there are there seemingly are some but obviously to get all production VFX studios and production studios all under one umbrella it's difficult. Um, but it's good I, the the fact it's starting, I actually think will be a ripple effect because what you'll see is although there's them studios that are like oh we'll will undercut a price or whatever to get a Marvel project, they'll be like, wait, if we're in the union, we're guaranteed this, then like they'll be like, well, we're at least on we, the same we, base level of everyone. We need this initial unionizing to be a massive success. Hmm. Um so that then others are like, yes, okay, cool. Because there will be a lot of people now who are interested but are scared. Yeah. I think it just needs to be obviously the the more in it the better because it stops Disney just going well we'll screw you we're not using you um also it 
it's not even like you know unionization we just need and it ha it, this is the case just in all creative aspects but like artists just need to stop undercutting other artists yeah like you're just screwing everyone when you do that and we just need these vfx studios to like stick to their guns more and be like nah we ain't doing that or like just collectively all be like yeah we ain't working for you marvel unless you are paying like this minimum it's um hopefully it's a step in the right direction that leads mm. to people getting paid fairly. Yes. Bob Iger. <laughs> scum, scum, scum. Um, but he's acting so nice now. Yeah. Has come out and he's publicly told the acts and writers that they were not being realistic with oh no, sorry, after he came yes. out and told them they were not being realistic. Saying they were gonna wait till their claims, homes foreclose. Yeah, he now claims he's personally committed and with fervent hope to quickly find solutions to the issues that have kept us apart these past two months. Now, man's talking like he's ever, ever worked you, with any of these well, people. Do you, do you know what that is? That is a PR, whole PR thing just to save face because of the bad press he got for what he said a few weeks, like a few months back. That that comment about oh we'll wait till the homes foreclose and that has like got latched onto as like all the CEOs are like that and like he's been used as this the Disney execs let's be honest at the end of the day Disney board are just like we want money and as soon as like Bob Iger is like causing bad press that could cost them money they're gonna be like uh, what the fuck is this going on like you need to fix this and this just feels like a PR fix. Of being like, no, we need to make sure the message is clear that you're you're trying to solve the issue and Disney is very much and he's like, okay. And he's gone out and said that. It's just it feels so like empty of a yeah. statement. Um it's just literally just happened. Um where VFX workers have explained a little bit more why they're looking to unionize. Mm. Um so they are currently getting paid on a weekly flat rate. This means they don't get paid extra for overtime, hours, days, and have no protection against tight turnarounds. So these motherfuckers are getting paid, as a for instance, $100 a week, and that does not matter whether that's an 8-hour day or an 18-hour day, and if they have to work over the weekend, they have to work over well, the weekend, and they won't get paid more. What I imagine is there's some agreed weekly rate, which is probably not a bad week like it's probably is a weekly rate that everyone's happy with but then if what happens just for their 37 and a half they'd probably be like but yeah, then, that's fair but then it's like what will happen is marvel will go oh no the the deadline for this is here and if you don't deliver on time in the contract there's probably something that's like you waiver all fees like you you yeah. if you're late you lose out on your money so then they have to work overtime to hit the deadlines but they don't get paid for that yeah uh, so I'm sure the wage is adequate for a 37 and a half hour traditional work week, but when probably every single work week ends up being 80 hours, it becomes Especially less than equitable. When studios turn around and go, "Oh, we've done reshoots and we need that VFX shot completely redoing," uh, you've got like a month to do it. It's just going to be like, uh... but yeah, you've already signed the contract that you will get this work done. So it's yeah. um. I, I, I hope they absolutely bend Disney over and take him to the cleaners. 
or Marvel, it, who then in turn hurt Disney. I I hope they get, even if it's as basic as they get things in place that for overtime, and if things have like a rescheduling. So if there's like Marvel turns around and goes, oh, we need that shot this week now, or then they need those protections in place. Yeah. Um. And if this means we get less MCU or just superhero content in general, but it's it fine. Yes, I adore superhero content. I I adore it with my whole heart. Guess what? I will happily have less of it and just suck it up and get over it if it means that the people making it get treated like fucking human beings. Mm. And I don't, I don't I I really hope that isn't something that anyone's surprised to hear. Um I think we can all agree on that. I fucking hope so. <laughs> um talking of just loads of CGI for no apparent reason. I am Groot season two, apparently coming on September sixth. Is it needed? <sighs> no. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. Like the first one kind of made sense because we were like well, it was a marketing tool. It, yeah, it, it came was... out before the Christmas special. Yeah. Which was then gonna lead into Guardians Three. It made sense. And it was like filling this fun little gap of like we get to see how Groot's grown up. Yeah. We've kind of then gone back to like we we know this isn't Groot anymore. So you're just showing this literally screams we had however many like say six episodes of get like their standard Marvel. Like we had six other story ideas that we didn't use in the first season, like Shirless. It was a success. People like Baby Groot. It's good marketing. They know people like the Baby Groot because it's cute. So they know people will watch it. But it's yeah. like, it adds nothing. Like, is it needed? Would it's... that studio time have been better spent on Ant-Man? Do you know what it is? It seems like you don't need any actors for this. I bet Vin Diesel doesn't voice this. I mean, they'll probably just reuse the, the voice they've already got recorded for him, or they've got an AI voice. Yeah. Um, And they could just get the people who are overworked and underpaid VFX artists to just churn it out. This is probably episodes that were made for season one that never got used. That they've they spent got... the last three months during the strikes touching up so that they had something to throw out there because they knew they were going to delay loads of stuff. Do you know? Yeah, do you know? This has come out of nowhere with less than a month until it comes out. This will be. I bet you these are all episodes that were storyboarded and in animation when stuff storyboarded, it's like blocked out and it's basic animation, like real basic animated stuff. It'll have all been blocked out and they're going, ah, oh, we want those stories for season one and those have just got bolted and then when all the strikes have started or like they they probably were like oh we could put them out at some point let's get a studio working on them strikes have happened they've probably gone to the studio uh we need them now um because we need stuff to put out i, I would not be surprised to find out that the work for this was the straw that broke the camel's back when it comes to the vfx <laughs> workers unionizing because all of a sudden this thing that they did as part of like, a, oh, we're going to make 12 of these three-minute shorts and then we're going to take the best six at like halfway through. We'll work out what the best six are, finish them off, and then it'll be done. And mm. they've gone back to the other ones and they've gone, you have to finish them off. We're announcing it. 
and it yeah. needs to be done by the 6th of September. It wouldn't surprise me if they've turned around and gone, oh, yeah, we want these done now. Uh-huh. And it's like the studio's gone, are you paying us more to, like, rush? No. Oh, okay. Cool. We'll see you down the road in uh, in court. <laughs> exactly. Um. So this is a message I sent you. Yes. The, I wasn't sure if you knew any of, so I needed to like catch you up first. So there is a very infamous Spider-Man comic that has been referenced a lot. I feel like in pop pop culture, um, but people mm. never really seem to know if it's true or if it's just a meme. So, in I want to say 2006. Let me just double check that. How long ago? Uh, rain. Yeah. December 2006 through to Marvel 2007 mm-hmm. was a Spider-Man series called right. Rain. Uh, not spelt like the weather rain. Rain is in like a rain of terror. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know a lot about the actual story. Mm-hmm. But one of the most frequently spoken about parts of it is as part of the story it becomes apparent that Spider-Man's reproductive systems um, are radioactive. And as a result of fun time with Mary Jane, she develops cancer. Who, Who, what young intern wrote this story? Um, put it this way. <laughs> I've just Google searched. Oh no. Spider-Man cancer spunk. Why would you even... The top <clears throat> link is the Wikipedia page for Spider-Man Rain. Okay, at least it's a Wikipedia page, <laughs> I guess. Um. So yeah. Someone in the Infinite Wisdom has designed to make a, decided to make a sequel. Do you know what this feels like? I joked that like what young intern, some young intern comes up with a story, some horny writer, just having fun. Some young comic book fan read that comic, thought it was fucking hilarious, loved the story, thought it was just like, like we're we're memeing the shit out of it. Yeah. Has got an intern or job at Marvel and God. Um, I know what I want to do for my first story. Um, you know that comic that you guys hate hearing about because you regret it? I want to make a second one. I feel like it's some youngster, this like young writer, they read the first comic and they're now finally working at Marvel and they're like, I can finally make the sequel. I can continue this story. So I'm just having a little look here. And it looks like the actual story of Rain. Okay. Is it's 30 years in the future. Um, right. New York is now safe, but it's under authoritarian military police style stuff called the Rain. Okay. Um, Peter Parker's a fair bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's glowing he green. Essentially has. Yeah, he has to essentially come out of retirement when right. the Sinister Six starts. Right. 
Uh, let me just have a little look here. At Peter's apartment, J. Jonas Jameson delivers packages. Years of abuse. Told the dead abuse because he wasn't with him. Jameson leaves it and starts a riot, which leads to a fight against two rain officers. Meanwhile, Parker opens the package, revealing a camera in his old black suit mask. He defeats the officers wearing only the mask and his underwear, imagining himself in his prime. After Jameson asks Spider-Man's back, Peter punches him and walks away silently. So by the looks of it, Peter's also a massive dick in this. Well, I think you would be if yours was wearing green. It seems like... It seems a weird... It seems like they tried to make a really dark Spider-Man story a la a kind of like The Dark Knight Returns. Hmm. But then just sprinkled but it's a bit been of... Oversh- it's been overshadowed by a very weird decision. Yeah. I don't think we need a second one. <laughs> so the second one probably has nothing to do with Cancerous Spunk. But when they announced they're doing Rain 2, the only thing anyone yeah. was talking about is why are they making a sequel to the Cancer Spunk story? I'm going to. I need an audio clip of you just saying that. <laughs> Cancer Spunk. There you go. You've got a good one. Oh. Um, yeah, I yeah. don't know. It's an interesting choice to pull that one out of the vault and continue. It was a choice that was made. Maybe they thought, ah, it's been long enough. People will have forgotten. The internet never forgets. Exactly. Why do I feel like they've announced it and then they've gone, ah, shit, they've not forgot. Let's just just not talk about that now and maybe they'll forget again and not ask us where the sequel is. The thing is, I'm pretty sure it's been called The Rain 2 as well. They may as well Electric have called it the rain and see if they, you know, like the old school, like the joke Just restart. Like, oh, Disney actually have a rule about the way people have to behave at Disneyland. It's called Rule 34. If you Google Disney Rule 34, you'll find it. Um, they should have just released Rain and hoped that it did well enough that when people Googled Spider-Man Rain, that would become the top search. Yeah. But no. No. Um, Adam Devine. Devine face man person um <laughs> nice. was one of the guys in pitch perfect he was and was in a couple of seasons modern family he and was. i want to say workaholic he was one of the main characters in possibly i don't know that uh, let me just double check that i'd never watched it but i feel like i've seen no, a lot of clips from it saw... yeah he was he was the main guy in it um okay. was on a podcast and basically what he said was Marvel ruined comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of all that was really said. He's like, Marvel came in and now studios don't make comedies anymore. They ruined comedies. Um, and it kind of got taken out of context of the way the podcast was cut together and then the way the clip was taken out. Yeah, and then the article fully yeah. just took it out of context. Um, so he had to rectify it, and it's one of the few times I think celebrities actually rectified something they've said, and I fully go, yeah, they've just taken him out of context completely. Yeah. So what he said was, I like Marvel films. I greatly enjoy them. My point was, because of the success of them, to make the money to make films like that, they stopped making mid-budget comedy films, and mm. I miss them. Yeah. 
Which is a completely valid take. Yeah. Um, Everyone's trying to make a blockbuster now. Yeah, exactly. No one wants to do the Ace Ventura Pet Detective now. <laughs> no. Um, which, I mean, is a problem. And it's completely... And I, just, I think it's just the way everything works. But he's been very funny on Twitter since it happened. Um, so this is the tweet. Um, the way he rectified the really bad article because the yeah. the variety article was really bad. Yeah, it was. Um, as a guy who loves movies and TV, it's cool to be in, in variety, but this is misleading. I like Marvel and think that the movies are cool. I was saying that studios, in trying to compete with Marvel, have stopped making mid-budget comedies. I miss seeing comedy in the theaters. Yeah. Valid and point. I don't, and I think in the clip you can kind of get where he's coming from with that, although that wasn't cut together very well. Yeah. And then once you've got a written article that just takes the snippet they want mm -hmm. in written text and then builds this whole article around yeah. it, it looks a lot worse. But yeah. he's had a lot of fun since then. Um, nice. First flight was late and missed my connection. It's death at American Air's fault, but I feel like it's probably also Marvel's fault. <laughs> oh, I love this. Um, somehow my American airline flight is delayed again this morning. Marvel! Oh. Um, and then someone responded to one of his tweets. I feel you, Adam. It happened to most of us who were flying on August 8th. I decided to rebook my flights, but it kept delaying. And after two days stuck in Tampa Airport in LAX, I was able to fly back to my hometown, the Philippines. <laughs> and, and then he's just quote retweeted that and gone, do we think it's Marvel's fault? <laughs> I mean, Adam Devine is, I think, a very good comedy actor. Yeah, I would agree. I've seen him in a couple of things. I've not seen loads of his work, but all the stuff I've seen him in, he does a good job. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's not many out-and-out -out comedy actors anymore. I feel no. like the best comedy actors we see now are actors who just then get given a comedy role and happen to do very well. Yeah, they're, they're good at kind of a bit of everything. Sort of yeah. Thing. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's wild how quickly stuff can spiral, and him going from I miss I miss comedy so much, and it's it's because Marvel are doing such a good job to just an article like Adam Devine says Marvel are scum and they should all burn in a fire. It's the classic, uh, and I'm so it with it being variety. It's not really it's not a surprise, it, is it? It's crazy because they they sometimes give us like news that's worth keeping hold of. But mm. then they do like think pieces and they go to shit. Just report actual facts. Like so and so has been delayed. So and so has been cast. They're good at that. They're they're semi reliable at that for something because influx of production and casting. Mm. Then it gets to think pieces and it just all goes to shit. Well, yeah, you get to the intern that needs to hit so many stories a month and they're like, oh shit, I need to pull a story out of something. Yeah. Glad he's had some fun with it, though. Yeah. Um, would you like to debate what shows are better than what shows? Of course. A little content championship team. <laughs> little content championship team. Yeah, we've, we've got to make it clear that I'm from the south and you're from ah. the north. Or in north. In north. Little content north. championship. <laughs> um, this week, we've got Netflix's Daredevil TV show. Versus the CW's Gotham. Ah, finally an easy one. 
Yeah. No, I mean, it, have you even seen all of Gotham? You haven't no, had not all of it. Okay, cool. Um, that happened with all the CW shows. Yeah. <laughs> As always, the mm. six topics are personal relevance, how well it has aged, rewatchability, story, acting, and cinematography. Yes. So you chose Netflix's Daredevil. <clears throat> And mm-hmm. as we've noticed with some of the headaches we've had over previous weeks, I've done a, a pretty good job, you could say, of finding yeah. equal weight opponents yeah. that like are, are comparable. Mm-hmm. When it got to this one, I realised there's not a lot that you can compare to Netflix Daredevil because it is so unique and it was the first that was its brand of unique without just giving yeah. another Netflix show and it is the best of the Netflix shows. Um, yeah, the only one you so could maybe this is... pit against would be Punisher. But... Yeah. Um, and so although this is probably pretty cut and dry, there are definitely some things to discuss. Yeah. Um, so I will get us started. Okay. With the personal relevance. Um, although Ben Affleck's film was first and did okay for the time, mm. this film brought Daredevil to the mainstream. Yes, it did. Because people who went to see the Ben Affleck Daredevil film were men who read a comic when they were a kid and kids who wanted to see a superhero film. Daredevil on Netflix opened the superhero and comic book media world up to a wider audience. Yes. For better or worse, it did. Granted, you now have some people on the internet who think Daredevil is Batman in the way they behave and he can't have a sense of humour. Yeah. Um, just side note, Batman also has a sense of humour. Um, <laughs> but it got Daredevil the respect and love he deserves, um, which is why it's so important mm. to me. Whereas with Gotham, it was nice to see the city of Gotham as this kind of desolate hellhole that we've always been told it was before Batman arrived Um, because obviously Gotham is set when right the beginning of it is the night of the Wayne's murder yes Um, and it actually follows a young Jim Gordon yes Um, the show is not perfect at all there is a very weird charm to it though yeah I can Um, see that and it has some of the best character design of like outfits we have mm. ever seen when it comes to Batman's Road Gallery. Because they did not shy away from being camp. Yeah. And it really worked well. I think I'm similar. For me, like the personal relevance, like like you say, Netflix is Daredevil kind of opened up a new side of superhero content. They're like, yeah, we had some of the Marvel films and it's like, but they were very, the MCU. Netflix Daredevil was like, huh, high adults that are paying for Netflix and watching our shows. Uh, Here's a more adult themed show that, oh yeah, by the way, it is a superhero show. Um, very binge worthy and 
it was at the like in peak times of netflix i would say of where every show they were putting out was a banger everyone was talking about it it like opened it did like you say brought in a huge cultural wave like a new wave of marvel fans um like you say better or worse gotham was as i was falling off enjoyment of cw i would say i same same sense of like you have i enjoyed getting to see gotham in a darker place and getting to see like a young bruce and a young jim gordon um and i thought it was an interesting direction a new take and like you say with the costumes the costumes look great i really liked how they lent into like you say the campness and the more comic book-esque feel like more out there but it was like i said as i was falling off the cw stuff so i didn't really stick with it much Whereas so I've been... what i just realized go on the first season of gotham mm. came out a year before daredevil oh i have that i think I think that is a clear line in the sand of when the expectation of superhero TV changed. I think Gotham yeah. is very much old style. Yeah. Then Daredevil came in and changed the game away from this villain of the week bullshit. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Gotham gets a little bit more flack than it deserves. Because it was at the same time as Daredevil. Everyone yeah. was like, well, Daredevil. Netflix <laughs> style. Yeah. Um, whereas no, this th- was the traditional villain of the week. And I think when you hold it up as against the other villain of the week shows, I think it's good. But then yeah. when you look at what we've got now with the this is the story for the season mm. and as long as we don't cram the ending into half an episode, it's going to be great. Um which Netflix yeah. was very good at not doing that. Yes, they were. Um, that is one thing that they I wish they taught Disney. <laughs> but yeah, um, so, so that, would... that's interesting. That might literally yeah. be a very easy way of seeing when stuff changed. Yeah, I I would agree. I didn't realize that. But yeah, I lean to oh. like Netflix's Daredevil is definitely more personal to me. Yeah, hundred percent. How well is it aged? Lay some facts on me. Give me your, give me a hot takes. I would say Netflix Daredevil has aged very well, considering how big of a, for better or worse, cult following that show has. Everyone still to this day talks about the Netflix Daredevil. They wanted Netflix Daredevil out of everything to make it to the MCU. And then when they announced their show, everyone's like, oh, I hope it's like the Netflix Daredevil. Like, everyone holds this that show to such a high regard that I would say aged extremely well compared to its other selection of shows in that category of Netflix Marvel, um, that some of which did not age very well. Um, I think it did. It, it didn't miss when it came out and it's still to this day i would probably have like that still doesn't miss gotham 
I think it's just still the same feeling I had for it when it came out. I was like, yeah, it's interesting. It's cool. I'm like, I don't think it's aged any better. Maybe a little bit compared to some of the other CW shows. But I'm still like, ah, CW feels like it's not aged that well. In my opinion. I, I I think Netflix's Daredevil is the gold standard of superhero TV. Yeah. Um, and I think it is only in, in, in continuing to age well as we get more and more of the MCU Disney Plus shows, which just aren't quite up to scratch. Mm. And it just shows how high Daredevil set the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gotham has aged okay at best. But when I think about the show, I don't think about the show in its whole. I think about the really good moments of the show. Um, and I don't think there is enough of them to say it aged well. Like yeah, it's I... an okay show. I I went and finished it after it had finished because I was like, I want to see how this all wraps up. Mm. But I wasn't like, uh, oh yeah, I I'm, I'm not gonna sit and go. Everyone should watch Gotham. Yeah, but everyone should watch Daredevil. Yes, I would. Yeah, Re- agree. With rewatchability. I have no interest in rewatching Gotham. <laughs> um, I'm happy to see the odd clips to remind me of the different characters and why. Like, yeah, they were good castings. Um, Daredevil, it'd be a binge, but I would happily sit down and probably rewatch it. Especially like if we got more like with the upcoming Daredevil show, if there's some more explanation as to like stuff that maybe is continuity yeah like it's like yeah i'd go rewatch it then to give myself a refresher of everything that happened um i think daredevil is definitely a lot more rewatchable than gotham yeah i agree um i think daredevil is insanely rewatchable gotham you only need to watch it once um but i am under the impression and maybe some people in the comments can confirm this or not for me, that Gotham does have a bit of a cult following. That wouldn't surprise me. I think the uniqueness of the way they've told the stories and the characters being so camp in the best possible way. Supervillains from comic books should absolutely be camp as fuck. Um, I think they've done that so well that it does have a bit of a cult following. But I get the impression it's more they watch specific like three or four episode mm. arcs instead of binging all one hundred episodes. Yeah. Story time. Interesting. Daredevil doesn't miss. Oh yeah, the Daredevil story was. It was. It was so well done, so well put Absolute together across all the seasons. Absolute peak fiction. They. They honestly, I think the de- that's the, the issue Netflix had, right? We've talked about how well it's regarded, and the story was so good across all the like tides up across all the seasons. They did such a great job with that. They set the bar too high for any of the other Marvel shows they tried to put out. Like, the story was so strong with Daredevil, everyone compared anything else they put out to that, and it just didn't meet it. And it's like, I think that speaks volumes. Um, Gotham. I mean, I never finished it. I it was a CW 
style of show you can imagine what the story was like it ranges from great great episodes to the middest of mid episodes and it is like a roller coaster with these peaks and troughs mm. and you can tell that it's to stretch to this like 20 episode a season rule yeah that they had if you if you cut out all of the shit you would probably end up with a six to ten episodes a series like the Netflix's Daredevil had that would have been very captivating. Yeah. Um, and it's just the way cable TV works. Um, but there are some absolutely phenomenal stories in Gotham. Um, and I think it would be remiss to act like there isn't. Yeah. Acting. I mean, I've got a word that I've written down for well, Daredevil. Okay. And I think it is the only word to describe it. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Top to bottom, everyone does such a good job. Yeah. Ev- everyone nails their part. Across the board. Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin is... Perfect. Like, sent from God. (laughs) Charlie Cox's Daredevil is so, so good. He was so in tune with that role, he lost out on other jobs because he was struggling to refocus his eyes on who he was talking to because (laughs) he was was trying so hard to do a good job of acting blind. Yeah, he was so used to acting blind. Um... And all of the side characters, yep. phenomenal. Um, when we get the actor who played Frank Castle, oh John, John Berthnell, yes. Um, when he comes in in season two, phenomenal. Yep. Just every casting decision and the acting was all top top tier. Yes, it was. Gotham. It's okay. The they had good casting. The style of TV show really limits the quality of yeah. the acting. What I will say is Cameron Monaghan, who's a favourite of mine, mm. um, plays Cal Kestis. Yes. As not the Joker, yeah. but the Joker, yeah. um, is phenomenal. He is truly great every time he turns up as both Jerome and the other guy. He basically plays twins. They both end up being the Joker, but like different versions of the Joker. Mm -hmm. One's like psycho face falling off Joker. One's like clown prince of crime Joker. I love the way they told that story. It was unique. Mm -hmm. Um, And as both of the, like both such a wide range, he plays them both phenomenally. Um, but for the most part, it's okay. It's like, yeah, it's cable TV superhero show. Strong castings, and then, but it's like as you say, like TV, it's, it's limited. It, it when you're doing Netflix's Daredevil, it seemed like they would shoot it three or four times to make sure that everyone was really happy with the scene. Whereas, it felt like they were shooting it once. And only twice if there was a fuck up. Yeah. 
Gotham was still in TV style shooting, which is fast to get it episode done. Yeah, because Netflix you was have twenty like, episodes a season to do, and you need ne- to get cranking. Yeah. And Netflix was like, "Oh, we're bringing cinema level production to TV shows." cinematography cinematography it's the exact same thing as before it's i mean the daredevil production had such a different take on how this needed to be done yeah the corridor fight scenes that became iconic yeah the, i was gonna say the season two the episode on the rooftop where he's chained to the chimney breast and him and frank are talking yeah gorgeous I mean, it all, is so beautifully shot. All you need to say is that the choreography and everything that was done for that corridor fight scene, like that alone, wins it for that for the Daredevil. Yeah, so. it just shows the effort that was put into all of the visual yeah. aspects of Daredevil. Um, it was mid as fuck in Gotham. Yeah, Gotham was. Just it was a CW. CW show that's pumping out five seasons, twenty episodes a season. Plus all the other shows that they were doing at the time. Yeah, it has flat lighting. It doesn't have as much fun with Gotham as you should. Yeah. Gotham as a setting should be one of the most fun places for creative people to tell a story. Everyone's like, oh, if you tell a story in New York, don't forget that New York is a character. Yeah. Like, that's like a thing that people harp on about all the time. Gotham is the exact same. Gotham is a living, breathing organism. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to make a show about Gotham without Batman, you need to lean got, into it. You've got to lean into it. Yeah. They just they, they because Gotham is seen as a dark place. They made everything really grey, but they want it light enough so that everyone can still easily see. Instead of using kind of what Daredevil does, which also uses the darkness really well, and then uses lots of dark in the back and then brightness so that you focus on what needs to be focused on yeah um and again it's just the budget and the mentality towards how the show is being made that contributes yeah. to that 100%. um it's a 6-0 sweep daredevil Wait. absolutely wipes the floor with gotham but it is interesting how much that is kind of when comic book tv shows yeah. changed from villain of the week maybe there's a story over the course of the entire season with lots of filler episodes to the here is 10 episodes mm-hmm. that is just a way more in-depth story yeah it's the it's the netflix effect like netflix changed a lot about how shows are done going forward and it's like also sh- like the change of CW was like just for the comic book fans. Daredevil turned MCU into a cultural like phenomenon, to be honest. Like they changed the the direction of like who wanted to go see this. Uh-huh. So it's not a surprise that Netflix has kind of swept the floor here. Not even remotely. But I did think there were some interesting parts surrounding Gotham. Gotham that we needed to discuss. Yeah. Um but that's it from us this week. Daredevil progresses to the second round of our content bracket. It does. Um, next week. Ooh. 
another easy one if we're being oh, honest. Okay. But it's, it's one that's gonna feel dirty though. Oh no. Like we're not we're not gonna like it, but we both know what the right answer is. Mm. Um Iron Man one. Which was your pick? Mm-hmm. Versus Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings. Well, okay. Yep. It's it's an easy answer, but it still feels dirty. Um, but we'll see you next week. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe. And we will catch go. you next time. We will see you next week. <laughs>